unfortunately i, I am threatened by sexy wolfman so aren't I'm we like, all uh, honestly like yeah. who among us can compete yeah. against a sexy man who is also a sexy wolf yeah exactly exactly so i, I don't says know that, if i can I... leave that in the episode yeah. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're gonna attract a different audience from what we usually attract if we leave that in the episode yeah. Hello. <coughs> Jesus, I need some water. <laughs> you should leave that in though for the uh, for the <laughs> Yeah, I mean we can't edit it, so you know it's it's there. The live. Jesus, been on too many fucking Zoom calls today. That's <laughs> that's what's going on here. <sighs> Got some water drinking ASMR. Hopefully the people like that. Hello and welcome back to the Slums Cast. I am your co-host, Neuropancer, and I am a character from a retro 8-bit style game. And I'm Josh, aka Orbital Tangent, still rocking the title of Netrunner's okayest player. Those of you who have stumbled upon the Slumscast for the very first time, I'm sorry. You probably thought that this podcast in the Netrunner category was going to teach you how to be better at Netrunner. It's not going to. You might have thought... This is a podcast that I've run across on an app that I sometimes use to find podcasts about becoming a better person. Perhaps this podcast will make me a better person. I have the same bad news. It will not do that either. We are here to talk about trying to play Netrunner well and failing to play Netrunner well. And to do that, we are joined by a special guest. Josh, do you want to introduce our special guest this week? Absolutely, I would, but I know absolutely nothing about him. <laughs> actually like what 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 do we want to introduce you with man like uh you, oh, you I just, just wanted, i wanted to let that moment stew i really want it like like just like just soak in the juices of that moment and just like drip it all over <laughs> all over the recording usually i just let you do the intros because you know the person oftentimes better than i do but i probably should have written some stuff in the show notes yeah, sure. I know your name is Ian, my friend, but uh, right. I don't think we've ever met face to face. No, it's uh, it's good to meet you over this Zoom uh, internet highway. Well, he's a member of the Snare Bears. He's the winner of the recent New York Store Championship. Out of uh, 20 people, he came in first. It is Ian, a.k.a. Ranji Doge? Doge? Ranji Doge? Whatever you want. It's Rangi Doge. It's uh, Rangi Doge. Rangi Doge. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Every single person who has opinions on how that last word is pronounced is going to be angry with that pronunciation. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Anyway, Ian, how the fuck are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. How are you doing? You're the third person to ask us that. Only the third, though. That is solidly only one-sixth of the people who have been on the podcast. It's a Boston thing or something, but how you doing is like, if someone says hello to me, I say, how you doing? If someone says like, yeah. it's just a standard greeting, even like, how are you? I say, how you doing? There's no reciprocation of actually saying how I am. People don't care. I do. Care. Anyway, I how, how are you? How are you in truth? I'm on the slums cast now. All other concerns in my life have uh, fallen away for the next X minutes. So I'm doing excellent. And I'm about to do better. I, I didn't find the bourbon that you're rocking there but i got myself a little bit of elijah craig going on so yeah that sounds good the intro question this week what is the farthest that you have personally traveled 
or that you have seen someone else travel for Netrunner? And for this question, we're going to exclude the world championships because that makes things a little too easy. So I can't just say Rotterdam. Unless you've traveled to Rotterdam for like a store champ or something. By those criteria, it has to be CTZ at this uh, at this SC. It's possible that like there was somebody from Australia at a store champ randomly like two years mm-hmm. ago, but I really doubt it. I think it was CTZ at the New York City store champ. Yeah, I think for me, the answer has got to be CTC as well, though. Until this past weekend, it was actually CTC at a different event. It was CTC flying out to uh, PAX Unplugged in 2019 to participate in fake Nats. Fake real Nats, real fake yeah. Nats. Real yeah. fake Nats, yeah. Depending on exactly how you count it, John D'Alessandri, the first time that he went to Durham, store champ slash regional such, whichever one, he had like just moved to the state of North Carolina within the last month. And like, I don't know, kind of counts. Kind of doesn't, though. He like had a house. Yeah, it feel like you got a home base in the state. It doesn't count. But now I'm thinking about off the grid, although I guess that's still less than San Francisco to New York. That would be fun to go to. Well, we're trying to make that happen. I have kind of like a, a dually here because I don't want to just like chime in with the trifecta of CTZ. I think it's CTZ. And, and like for frequency, he's probably got it too. However, by car, the farthest that I've seen is the Winnipeg boys. Not only frequently come down to... SC and above for what we run in the Twin Cities, but they came down and got me and then trucked me off to Madison in 2019. So it's a nine hour drive just to where we were at in the cities. And then over to Madison is another four hours. So Jets drove 13 hours to play at a 17 person store championship in Madison. Damn. That wins. That's right. Pretty intense. Speaking of just cars, I have seen some decently far trips, though not as far as that. That's a lot. Durham being located in the middle of the eastern seaboard, as it were, we would get people come up from Atlanta. And that's a solid, I want to say that's a solid like six hour drive, depending on how fast you take it. And then down from Philadelphia, uh, Charlie Xavier, I think is the main person I'm thinking of who's made that trip. And that has got to be a solid seven hour trip as well, I think depending on how fast you take it and depending on how much you get completely destroyed by DC traffic, which is always at every hour. You've seen uh, Tolosan out at some events though, haven't you, Josh? Oh yeah. So he mostly has been to stuff where he's been out here in the U S for work though. Eh, Do do we want to count that? Do we want to count Netrunner as the actual work trip here? So you'd have to ask Tolosan what percentage of the trip was really for work versus for versus playing Netrunner. I think the weekend was his time. So I think in one case, he might have extended his stay so he could draft with us. That counts. Uh, there you go. Lawson's yeah. a UK player, right? Mm-hmm. Super, super nice dude, too. Him being a, a mod in several areas is no surprise. You bringing up CTZ at New York Store Champs is actually... A, I seeded this question knowing that that was going to be a potential answer. And the reason is I wanted to switch over to a different segment. It's one of our well-known recurring segments that is named after a card. The next segment is... No! 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 No, bad pants. It's warranted here. I have a reason. I don't care. I don't like it. Damn, that's cold. Um, all right, fine. Uh, uh Okay, here, let's... Okay, so if we can't do Akamatsu Memchip, we need to change this up. Um, okay, gonna have to carry the eight. 
Um, all right. Okay. Um, new segment is fucking, I guess it's Daily Quest. Fine. Daily Quest. On Daily Quest, for some reason, it should be called Akamatsu Mamchip instead this week. It turns out in person Netrunner, something that we all have fond memories of, is actually kind of a thing again. See, this is this is why I wanted it to be fine. This past weekend, which um, those of you listening to this episode will know when this got recorded, uh, this past weekend, there was a store champ in New York City. Both Ian and I were there. I would like to do a good old-fashioned tournament recap with this segment. A tournament recap? Well, why is this same daily quest then? Because it can't be Akamatsu Memchip. I told you there was a... It's fine. Moving on. Moving on. We haven't really done a deep dive on a specific tournament before, so I'd like to talk about a little bit of the process of getting ready for going to playing in all of those good stuff related to a store champ. Let's actually start with preparing for. I would be willing to bet that you did a lot more than I did. So I'd actually like to hear what was your preparation strategy like for this tournament? So step one was recognize that this was a field of killers uh, with Kat, with Chris. How many world's top whatevers did we have? How many national champions? Something ridiculous. Like an integer. Like half the field? Yeah, like a positive (laughs) integer. So, So step one was like pack diapers just because I knew it was going to be terrifying. Step two. Very smart was ask people better than me for lists. Mm-hmm. And that was the entirety of the prep. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> like, really? You didn't practice at all? You didn't play any of the decks or anything? So, okay. The runner was 419, right? Practicing just meant playing that runner at all over the past 18 to 20 months <laughs> because that's all really you play. If yeah, you want to play a good crim, you just play 419. So this deck, I mean, it's this deck is not any different in spirit than any of the 419 lists for the past year and a half. So yeah, that was, so I practiced for a year and a half. Um, I like went into the, the Dragon Ball Z gravity chamber for a year and a half and just like just stunted 419 over and over again. Except you did it by accident over the last year and a half just because you were playing Netrunner. Yes, 100%. Yeah. For Blame Changer... That deck, contrary to popular belief, you can play that deck with a two-line basic program. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the the programming language basic. It might be a three-line program. Line one is, can you score an agenda? If so, score it. Line two is, if you can't, draw. And then line three is just go to line one. That's it. That's the whole deck. It's a binary decision over and over and over again. And then eventually you win. For what it's worth, I think this is a huge step forward in getting us to having machines that can play Netrunner better than humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. they do the, the poker ones where it's got to be heads up. If we mm-hmm. made a Netrunner one, they would have to train on this deck because you don't ever make a decision. It's a little more complicated than that, though, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, I, it's hard to keep track of clicks sometimes when you're in like tracking your second Jeeves click off an operation, but you still have two clicks because you lateral, but then one of them was a subliminal. So it's like you still have two clicks. And then like, how many clicks do you gain if you Jeeves and biotic at the same time? There's some nuance, but also then you just use that nuance to score an agenda, usually a 3-1 or a 3-2. GG. I was using physical click trackers this tournament, largely just because I didn't trust myself to do my clicks correctly. 
not anything where I'm gaining extra clicks and doing that. It's largely just to be like, oh yeah, I have taken click two. And honestly, it was half to make sure that my opponents also didn't accidentally take extra clicks. Everyone's rusty right now, so it's important. For the past year and a half, we've all been playing on JNet. It tracks all that shit for you. So actually, I haven't been back in person yet, and y'all have. How difficult is that transition after all that shit's been done for you? The hardest well, thing is yeah. remembering 419. That one's tough. If, you're, if your hands get tired, don't play Boomerang and don't play Sprint because you're just shuffling the whole game. I would sometimes be really happy when they didn't res the boomerang ice just so I didn't have to shuffle it. Awesome. I got voided. That's fucking sick. I got it could voided, just, it could just chill there. <laughs> I got two more. I don't give a shit. <laughs> that much of a burden to shuffle that much, huh? Shuffling sucks. <laughs> it really does. It's the worst part of Netrunner. Pants, uh, what prep did you do? The prep that I did was largely over the last couple of weeks, I've been working on my latest, greatest, least defensible max deck, which was honestly just not good. It, it was just a very, very bad deck. Like I'm used to losing games whenever I play on JNet, but this was losing way more than it should have been. And I was like, okay, fine. Let me figure out what a responsible person would do if they know they're playing against a field of good players. They would play the most boring deck possible to play, which is 419. And so I grabbed a 419 list and I was like, I don't know, this seems a little bit slow. I'm going to cut this one card for a deuces. And so I was at that point on three deuces wilds. And I looked at the Rizeki that was left in the list and I was like, this Rizeki does nothing. Like, wh why do I have a Rizeki here? What am I playing that needs a Rizeki? That could be a deuces also. And at that point, I was on four deuces, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm done. To figure out the corp deck I was playing, I was like, well, a lot of people are going to be on 419, aren't they? I think Outfit beats 419. And then I played a few test games of Outfit versus 419, and I was like, yep, Outfit beats 419. Did you put the fourth deuces in knowing that you were going to make the meme image for the write-up? I knew I was going to do a meme image with this deck, because obviously, if you play a list with four deuces in it, you publish that. That goes somewhere. Even if I went 0 and 4 with it, that thing's getting published. I, I knew I was going to do something, but I thought I was just going to find like a GIF that was out there. But I was like, oh. So when you say deuces. four deuces, it has a, what is it, process automation in it? Uh, build script. Deuces mild. Build script. Yeah. Deuces mild. Yep. Okay. It is not a real substitute for the real deuces because the real deuces can also charge up turtle. Yeah. So I was going to say that's a substitute for deuces if you play deuces wrong in 419. I disagree with you there. A lot of times early, you want to play deuces for draw and money. Mm -mm. No, you play it for money, or if you have money, you play it for draw, but you always check what ice they put on the board, because knowing that is the rest of your game plan. Hmm. He says confidently with like very little to back it up. No, I love <laughs> deuces. Play deuces, play deuces, but don't don't just do the cantrip, because you're, my opinion is that's wasting it. Well, you have a little bit to back it up. I mean, you did just win a store championship in a field of sharks. So that's, yeah, that's fair. You Most know. of my Netrunner opinions, especially ones that I state that strongly, come from Rob. I can hear him groan even across states if I ever play deuces for like a, a cantrip for two and for a card printed in two draw. I mean, what ice does it matter that much if you know it in most matchups, though, oh, right? Like, you, you, just, you just slapped on a boomerang. Hell no. You look at HQ ice, and you're like, okay, that's an offshore, and now I know I just need turtle at one. Or you look at, like, 
remote ice and you're like, okay, so I don't need to Rango Bango the outside. That's, that's, that's what face checking's for. No, because you got to know exactly how much, how many credits your opponent has so that you can do the credit math before even they can, because you know what their ice is reduces. And that's when you apply the pressure and say, you and can't res all this ice time to get doofed. That sounds can't like a just, lot more math than I expected to do with this deck. Can't you just get good and like correctly guess their ice? Oh yeah. Well, the, the half of correctly guessing is getting them to reveal it off the four one nine trigger. So, so never be guessing. Okay. Always be deucing. This is the exact opposite of the energy CTZ was bringing to the table. Where I remember back in whatever era he took down the like entire California fight night championship. He at a certain point was playing falsified in his anarch lists, and then at a certain point he switched to infiltration, and then. In his words, I asked him about this later. In his words, quote, I stopped needing it, unquote. Rad. There was a lot of just YOLO wantoning. I suppose that's the criminal versus the the anarch, though. From Ian, what you're saying is, is you really got that criminal mindset, whereas uh, CTC probably has the uh, fuck my brain mindset of, of an anarch. And it's kind of sad. It is sad because... I grew up on Anarch. I joined the game and all I played was Val for like months. And just bring back Inject. Just bring mm -hmm. it back. Yes, please. Put it back in the game. Well, That's you have Gatchapon. It's not the same and you know it. What about Washing? Okay, but, but Loki actually Moshing is lit. Like Loki, like Moshing is. It good. isn't Inject though. It's not Inject. But if you play more bad cards in your deck that you don't mind Moshing away, then it's better than Inject because you get money too. But that's actually too mean to Moshing. I like Moshing a lot. I think that Moshing is going to be in an event winning Anarch deck soon. I think that we can figure that card out. I think we already got to this question, but we've gone off on a huge tangent here. Okay. No, not quite reaching the stratosphere. How many times but has that joke been made on this podcast? You're the first, actually. Get the fuck out. It's low-hanging enough fruit that, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's, it's a bad enough joke that only yeah. I would make it. Yeah. We're, we actually... <laughs> I mean, we make low-hanging fruit jokes, but we're not, like, not often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Occasionally. All right, so you played 419 and Blame Changer. You're going to have to tell us, uh, everybody knows what 419 is, and they, they probably know exactly what your deck is. And Pants, you played 419 as well. So explain to the crowd, just for the people that are buried underneath a rock, what is Blame Changer? Okay, so last year, let me let me rewind the clock. Worlds 2020, uh, Snare Bears brought, for the most part, Dedication Rococo Asa, where you are mm -hmm. dedicating out Rococo twice and then putting out a Vitruvius, scoring it with three counters on it and just recurring your combo pieces over and over and doing that as fast as possible with Flop, Jeeves, and all those good shenanigans. I brought a deck that was trying to do the same thing, but out of sports. And it was mm -hmm. called the Ass of God because it was just like... <laughs> Like, why care about cards in your hand? Why care about Cybercourt when you could just discard? Because discarding is just weakness leaving the hand. So it was just play VLC over and over. It was Purple Max. Yeah, it was Purple, purple Max. Purple Max, fuck yeah. I loved that deck. It betrayed me terribly. But <laughs> Blame Changer is the ass of God with all nuance and skill stripped out of it. Because you don't have to combo. You don't have to use assets like uh, Rococo. You don't have to use Dedication Ceremony. You don't have to figure out like the Truvius counters. 
you just score if you have the tools in your hand. And if you don't, you draw four. That's it. It's iceless plus either five or six pieces of ice, depending on which heresy you go with. I like six. <laughs> you just throw assets onto the board where if the runner contests them, assets like Nico campaign, assets like Marilyn, uh, Jeeves, and Spin Doctor. So if the runner contests your assets, they're wasting money in clicks and time. And if they don't contest your assets, you have the money to score out with Biotic. And then you Biotic out a Vitruvius always or a Luminal always. And if you don't have a Vitruvius or a Luminal and you're on, you, you always want a one-pointer, so usually a Megaprete or sometimes a Hyperloop. And then you are, for some reason, allowed to play 14 agenda points in your deck because you just play two Vashron. And so the runner can't score enough agendas to get to seven before you fast advance out four agendas to get to seven. HTTP colon backslash the end. So what I'm hearing is it's very similar to like purple Titan. Yes. You don't have a uh, tutor. You just have draw. You don't have Atlas counters. You just got gas and you just keep, keep drawing and uh, making a buck with subliminal or three bucks with Nico and then fast advance out your gendies. Yeah, I remember very distinctly from our game, I was accessing HQ with multiple accesses off of turning wheel, I think it was. And I remember hitting an agenda thinking like, oh, okay, so probably going to take the money because you don't want to draw into another agenda that I can steal. You were like, nope, draw two. At that point, I think you're on one or two points. So if yeah. I can draw into a, like a Hyperloop or something, I'm ecstatic about it. I want you stealing those teeny tiny baby three ones because they're three twos for me or they give me biotic money. It's actually very, very fun to hunt. So you love this deck, but you believe it has no skill or nuance. Yeah, those are the best Netrunner decks where you can just turn your brain off and go. <laughs> like seats, like internet style CTM with assets where you're just spamming at, like you just get Jeeps so you can keep putting cards down on the board. That's it's the best. I love it. I love playing brain off Netrunner. Genuinely in a tournament setting, brain off Netrunner is a plus. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the reason that people practice so that they can turn decks that are not brain off Netrunner into brain off Netrunner. I mean, that's the entire point of Panic Polana, right? You panic to it and just like you kind of sleep through rounds two and three. Yep, I've played this deck forever. I know how Polana works. It never changes, yep. except when they ban all the good ice. Uh, now it sucks. Hey, 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 uh, hey, hey, hey. I will not hear bad things about Polana. Polana was the top Jinteki at the store champ. No, Polana's awesome, except it, it out of lost one. everything. <laughs> out, of one. The, yeah. out of one Jinteki. If 419 was not just the undisputed, best, easiest, most prevalent runner, Polana might be better. Pants, before we move on, there are a couple of flavors of outfit, but you want to give the audience a, a brief rundown of what you took? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was on Rude Deck, which is the version of the outfit that plays city works project and dedication ceremony trust me i was a doubter as well city works project is just a it is a priority requisition if they find it an essential an agenda so bad that you can literally just get it for free if you're drafting if they find it an essential however it also says even if the runner is rich they're kind of fucked if you install dedicate dedicate to close out the game while you're on four points. And it's very easy to get to four points with that deck because you rush extremely fast with it. It's also on a double kill package. You're on HHN Boom and you're on Punitive. 
See, I love that deck. I played that deck so much that I don't have to think about it. It's literally just like maul for your first agenda and then do what the cards tell you to do, which is mostly score. In that deck, it's get money, not get cards. It's actually fantastic. That particular deck, one of the best things about being back in person is getting to just do scumbaggy shit that you do when you play in person Netrunner. Like with Rude Deck, I will not install Advance, Advance, a hostile. I'll just yeet it into the score area. Just like, Bleh. it's there now. Take your bad pub. <laughs> Let me take Plums my points if you do that when the runner is still mulling, like if they're shuffling from their Yes, mulling, yes. I, I did that yeah. once this weekend, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the actual tournament itself. We'll talk about the important part of the weekend, which is, you know, not playing Netrunner in a bit, but I'd like to talk about the playing the Netrunner part first. How did Swiss go for you, Ian? Oh, uh, well, I played Cat Round 1. Uh, they were on the exact same lists I'm on, except they were on a wrong version of 419 that had Diesel instead of Anakin. So, Diesel's a good card. Terrible. And sports, but with, I think, Seven Ice, actually? I don't know. It's, it's, it's heretical. Let's it's, not get crazy here. Yeah, seven Ice? What the fuck? They might have cut a lateral. Seven. I mean, it's just Whole it's ice. dead fucking wrong. We split, Corpse Split, classic, uh, Blame Changer. Round two, I played Teo. The only Jinteki in the field with Palana. So Shut that up. was unpleasant with two Rizekis on, I think, like turn three or four. Ooh. Played a really tight game with Blame Changer against like four, one, uh, sorry, against Freedom, like trashing combo pieces mm -hmm. and generally keeping up, like playing Imp. So if they, you know, Teo touches Vacheron, I'm pretty fucked. Mm -hmm. And then like it came down to a 40% chance in HQ off of like a symbol chipped imp that they used the imp counter to use Yusuf to break vanilla. Mm, damn. It was rad. I thought I had it locked and then and then I forgot about the symbol chip. Luckily for me, uh, they missed the two and five and then sports comboed out. Round three, I played Laura on a mean PD that I got lucky out of R&D. I like just singled a couple of agendas out of R&D and then built up a turn wheel and just had the money to contest. This was another crazy blame changer game where, so I scored with Audacity of Vitruvius to go to three, I think. And I had nothing in hand, but Laura knew that I had Audacity to mega pre into the bin. I think off of the Stargate run. I draw off the Audacity as one does and Laura immediately click one wantons the two cards out of my hand which happened to be a Vacheron and a Hyperboot. Oh. <laughs> then she ran the bin, stole five points in one click. And Seems good. It was Seems... a nail biter from there, but <laughs> but Blame Changer comboed out because that's what it does. Well, I mean, she, she did just give you six draws. Oh, yeah, I drew six. From stealing those five points. You know that I drew six off that archives run <laughs> and was sweating bullets. <laughs> It was sick, actually, because she had a Stargate out, and then I had a drafter on R&D with a Spin Doctor in the bin. So I was like, mm. go ahead and Stargate me. I'm going to install this Spin Doctor because you yep. can't find MK because you're like a fool or playing a 40-card deck with a shitload of MK and just can't find it even though you're drawing for it like crazy. Honestly, just a noob mistake. I know. And find so your I, cards. Get good. That protected against the Stargate, and then I was able to just combo out before she found the mk damn that is a really like classic like kind of her move though 
going for the value wanton of just like I'm gonna get two cards out of your hand. I don't really care what they are. Just eat them. Awesome. Like there's a lot of people that will wait for that full value wanton because they're like, well, I gotta spend the three clicks. So like, or, or I gotta spend the clicks. So it's gonna be like most of my turn. You know, like I don't want to just get two cards or one card with it. I want to get that full value because it's gonna be most of my turn anyway. So I'm gonna wait till you draw three cards. She's like, nah, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna eat two cards. Uh, just, just get them in the bin. Get them in the bin. Terrifying. Nicest person, but a terrifying netrunner player. How about yeah. round four? Uh, I do. Why what not? a fucking scumbag. IDing. If I can play as little netrunner as possible at a netrunner tournament, I'm a happy, happy guy. This is why we need single sides of Swiss. Uh, you could get into your rounds here, but you near the end had a two for one, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, the way that okay. the way that rounds went, I started off against Dan B. He was on like kind of a reg tau list against Outfit, which ended up actually being an extremely close game. I got tread light lead three times on a two ice, no resed remote. The third one hit a snare, which was pretty sick. Tread lightly is is such a fuck you card to the outfit. It's like sure, yeah. res your bulwark, you yeah. don't get a you don't get a discount. Res yeah. your trebuchet, fuck you, pay seven. <laughs> In fact, it costs you more than it normally would. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking rude. I was able to stick a hard-hitting news, had to basically survive a turn where he could see three or maybe four cards off of Conduit, but then I did survive that turn, and that gave me the full turn that I needed to use the other archive in my hand to get Boom and kill him. The other game that was 4-9 versus PD... And I think 419 versus PD often comes down to a little bit of a nail biter. And that one did, in fact, come down to a little bit of a nail biter, where arguably stole the game off of like, I think it was the fourth access off of Turning Wheel that actually was the winning agenda out of four accesses I got. Yeah, round two, I ended up splitting. I lost against an NEH, had a play where I could have run through a double ice server that didn't end the run exactly three times in the turn which would have gotten me through the Anetic Void, but I would have had exactly four credits instead of five to steal a Bologna, and then ended up winning. That was like a 7-0 game as Outfit versus Hivemind Max. Just the classic fork when you're on four points, you can't come steal this. I will 100% kill you. You're too poor. We had about 15 minutes for that game, so it felt good to actually get the win in time. And then in round three, I was on stream against Justin in round three. And that was when I learned what kind of runner deck he was on. I had like six points in HQ. So I install an ice over HQ like a fucking moron. Justin drops a conduit, contaminate, and runs R&D two times. (laughs) Of course, Justin would be running like that combo of cards. Yep. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yes. Because why not? I won a nail biter, which didn't look like it was going to be nail biter as 419. I was up 6 0 within the first like six or seven turns of that game. Some well placed boomerangs, some well placed inside jobs took agendas out of HQ and out of the remote. Justin played a super grindy game and got me to the point where I had to dig deep and was pretty much out of money in the deck, but ended up finding an agenda in time. That put me at a point where I needed to two for one in the last round. I got matched up as Outfit versus Adam. Closer game than it sounds like, but ended up getting the win off of the four-point fork where had to commit to steal City Works projects, ended up with too few cards in hand, only had to land one punitive, punitive kill. That put me in the cut. How did not run out of money in your 419 deck? Hmm? 
Play Rizeki, you dingus. Just play the green orb. No, fuck the green orb. Green orb is infinite money. You can control F, uses Rizeki to gain in JNet, and you'll see like 30 results pop up. 419 <laughs> already has enough money. You think I needed those 30 credits? Yes. No. Yes. I needed 15 of them, and I got all 15 of those from Penny Shaver, and then I had the deuces to draw more. Penny's haver. Rizeki all day, every day. Penny's haver. Yeah. That's a, that's a Solemn Storm special. <laughs> I like that one. So, okay. You both made the cut. Um, yep. You know what else needs a cut? The feed. Cut the feed. Rude, but fair. It was fun when we got paired up in round four as the only two winless players, and then both of us lost both our games. I, we, we lost to each other mutually. It was wild. We both went 0-8. How did that happen? It was it was like simultaneous loss. It was like stealing an Obicata on one. I hack-flipped an Obicata, but the Obicata was in an HB deck. Yes. I was about to steal the last Beal from the bin after my fourth APOC out of your uh like building a better world deck so speaking of cuts you, you both made the cut but but how well did you do did we play game one in the cut? we did play game one in the cut oh this yeah. was a, this was a fun wrinkle to the event right before the cut alex internet person who um was running the event asked whether we wanted to be open or closed deck lists. yeah <laughs> to, to which i shouted open as quickly as i could <laughs> i wanted open deck lists as well yeah you backed me up and then Alex was like, okay, it's going to be open, random sides. And I said, no, it doesn't hire, hire seed pick. And Alex goes, oh, yeah, hire seed picks. And I go, great, Michael, show me your decks. <laughs> and I was like, wait, decide. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I vote closed now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted open just because I knew that you knew Chris's deck list because y'all test together. And I figured I didn't want you to have a material information advantage that there was no way that I could replicate. Assuming we both played Chris, which I guess we would, likely. I just wanted to know um, if you were on Clot. And then you weren't, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, did people put Clot in 419? Uh, they might start. No, Clot's not <laughs> enough. So given the choice between running against the outfit and just turning my brain off in fast advancing agendas, um, I turned my brain off in fast advanced agendas. It was great. Mm -hmm. That was actually a, a, a fantastic game that we played. It ended up looking pretty lopsided because I think I was only on three at the end of the game. You got the accesses that you, you yeah. could have easily gotten an early Vasher on. I want to call out the last turn because the last turn was rad. I think you doofed me to zero. And then yep. I gained five from like a Marilyn and a Nico. Or, so I, I don't know if it was a doof. I think I forced you to res CVS and that took you to zero. Mm, I think that's right. I start the turn on five from the drip. I shuffled in two red level clearance with, um, with the Spin mm. Doctor pre-mandatory draw. So click one was install Spin Doctor. Res it, draw two cards. I drew an RLC. So click two was draw two cards off the RLC and gain a click. So now we're back to click two again. Click three was uh, biotic to go to zero credits. So now we're back to click one. Click one was install agenda. Click two was audacity, which gained me a Jeeves click to put two credit, two advancements on the agenda. And then click two was a, was click for a credit because I was on zero, mm -hmm. and click three was advance, and then score the agenda to win. <laughs> I figured I was dead. I didn't expect that exact turn of events, but I was pretty sure I was dead that turn anyway. It's a rad deck, to be honest with you. That deck is so much fucking fun. 
we talked about on another episode of this podcast, like Dan Dargenio beating the CI7 combo lords in Twitch chat by clicking for a credit as part of his combo. Basically the yep. same thing. Basically you're Dan D is what we're saying yeah. here on this podcast. I got to do more drugs. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so I lost that first round and then I ended up losing to Justin. The only two games I lost as Corp all day were to Justin's stupid contaminate Ayla deck. Can we go back to the fact that you you made the cut, Pants? I, I just... You're bringing down the credibility of this cast. Or, or up. up. Oh, up. shit. Up is bad. We can't do that. Yeah. I actually have okay. a rebuttal here. Okay, I'll allow it. First, cut the feed. I deserve that. I would like to point out that the second game of the cut, the second game of the top four... After I had already lost a game, I was on camera. I was on stream. Singles, if not tens of people saw this happen. I actually don't know the stream numbers. There might have been a lot of people watching. I'm not sure. Some number of people saw this happen, and all of them got to watch as I fucked up punitive math on camera. <laughs> to make matters worse, I only needed to land one fucking punitive. How do you fuck up punitive math that bad? I don't know. I did it, though. That is entirely a slums move. I will allow it. You're back on the cast. All right, phew. Turns out that game five operation in Wayland isn't terminal anymore. It turns out that was the line. The line was, since I only had to land one punitive, I was supposed to archived government subsidy punitive, and that put me exactly one credit over. I'm used to the game five operation being terminal, though, so I didn't even think about that. Still IPO yep. in our hearts. I defended myself. I defended the honor of the slums cast. Uh, everyone who was watching that stream or who goes back and watches it now will see that I have fucked up just grandiosely at Netrunner and do not deserve to have ever been in that cut in the first place. Okay. Well, part of our, our motto is uh, failing to be good at Netrunner spectacularly. So, yeah. all right. On the other hand though, Ian, you, you did pretty well from that point forward. Tell us a little bit about how things went from that point forward for you. It was the second game of the cut that actually the entire tournament was decided because it was me versus Chris and it was a coin flip to see who corped and I won the coin flip, which meant that all I had to do, it, it, it allowed me to only need one more win on Blame Changer because otherwise I would have had to do what Chris did, which is win on Blame Changer and then also beat Blame Changer with 419, which is a tall task, nearly impossible task. So I coin flipped for the win and got it. There's two subliminals in Blame Changer specifically for the 419 matchup, so you can still audacity from zero. Like, unironically, that. That's actually hilarious. Pretty dope. I was, um, I was wondering what the subliminals are for. That actually makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're Jeeves enablers, like, uh, for operations. I assumed it was just for Jeeves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was no. going to say Jeeves enabler, but yeah, they're super good for just getting money sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like, 419 can't do feed to zero to stop a score to seven with audacity, which is great. If you're Disgusting. holding them. And also as like corner case, like if they don't run, which is impossible because runners will run against this deck every single time. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, for whatever reason, and you don't have enough cards in hand for audacity, you just scoop back those subliminals and you get, oh you know, God. you get audacity fuel. This deck is fucking disgusting. Who let this deck happen? <laughs> yeah, I love that deck. So I won that game against Chris, Chris on 419. I don't remember the super details. Right. At, um, at that point, you only had to win two games with game with Blame Changer, right? Because you won that game, and then you only had to win one game in Grand Exactly, Finals. yeah, yeah. So I was, in, I was in winner's bracket, and I could play two games against the eventual winner of the loser's bracket. 
um, which turned out to be Chris. So you didn't even go down to the loser's bracket. Mm-mm. That's going to be another cut the feed from me, boss. Again, the purest strategy you can take in a Netrunner tournament is play as little Netrunner as possible. Even in the games you're playing with Blame Changer, you're really only running that three-line program you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like you yep. just get a robot to do it for you. Just Jeeves. Yeah. Did it go to grand finals or mm-hmm. was it just one game? Uh, so Chris won uh, in the loser's final and then we played the first game of the final finals, which was me on 419 versus him on Blame Changer. And I didn't draw Doof. And also, uh, so I grandstanded my fucking opening hand into the camera. Like, oh, look how good this is. And then just got absolutely fucking waxed. (laughs) That's just karma coming back to bite you in the ass. I mean, that's probably fair. That's probably something that needed to happen in the universe. I let him stick a Nico because I got distracted by the other remote. And then he just ran away with the game as that deck is wont to do. So, so uh, if I understand correctly, that means Blame Changer went undefeated in the cut at the store champ? In the cut, it went undefeated. I think if you don't count Rob, which is Gronkoff, which is good because he's bad at Netrunner, I think it went like <laughs> like 11-1 and one across me, Cat, and Chris. It, was, um, it won a lot of games. That's a lot of games that it won, yeah. But to be fair... I did a poll. I was like, who brought Claude after the tournament? And no one put up their hand. I mean, there's really no natural predators at this point because why bring Claude into a PD meta? Even the shaper lists, like the reg shaper list that I played. And, and like, to, to be clear, I, I I think that Justin's contaminate Ayla deck is actually pretty fucking rad, but I'm just going to keep calling it stupid because it's also just like Conduit Go Burr. That's not on Claude either. None of the shaper decks are on Claude. And so, like, the two-runner strategies of, like, 419 just control the game because you're more powerful, you have a pile of money and cards, or APOC, because that's another great way yeah. to beat PD. Doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it's it like, oh, you, you have more money? I can score from one. You can't even call it an orthogonal win condition because you're scoring seven. You're just playing Netrunner. When the meta shifts, and it will shift to, to people countering it, I mean, Stargate really fucks this deck up, Infinitive fucks this deck up, if you can find it fast enough and Clot is like is very annoying, then uh, it'll have a harder time. But at this event, there was really nothing to counter it. Yeah, that's sort of like how Limes pulled out the win at Worlds. And it's gone from all the way being off everybody's radar at Worlds to now having a bunch of cards panned out of it, because it turns out it's actually kind of sick. And We won't and talk as... about Game Changer versus Vacheron. We won't, we won't bring that up. No, I, I think was... we should, but we're going to do it a little bit later. Okay, to, to be clear, in no way does that take away from Limes piloting the deck. Still pilot it immaculately. Oh, yeah. Like, I could pilot that deck against that field and lose all three games instead of win all three games. But it definitely helped by the fact, like in this tournament, that there just was not the tech in the field to deal with what your game plan was. Kind of wickedly shocked that I suppose it comes from the fact that the Asa and PD decks that everybody thinks are baller, and I still think that they're pretty baller, they're NA decks using Seamless, so... Well, Caught does actually diddly shit against those, because, mm-hmm. you know, their plan is to NA, so they don't really yep. care about your Caught. So, we talked about playing Netrunner. Obviously, playing Netrunner is not the important part of this event. It's not why we went there. What was the reason we went there? Oh, hang out with people. It was fantastic. Hell yeah. It was, like, fucking spiritually fulfilling in a way that hasn't really been hit in in a year and a half it was really great 
I got through a lot of the beginning and middle of this pandemic watching CTZ fucking die over and over in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got we got uh, to be friends, but we had never met in real life. So this was just a joyous, a joyous time meeting him for the first time. I met Rob for the first time, even though we played a lot of Netrunner together. And just like seeing seeing Kat, seeing Chris, seeing Laura, seeing you, Jeff, Alex, Dan, Sanjay Teo. I mean, everybody that came out, it was it was unreal. This is something that I really want to stress, especially to newer players who might not have this experience of like going to Netrunner events, not primarily to play Netrunner. This is not a joke at all. Genuinely, I am very happy that I played Netrunner reasonably well, got a pretty good placement in a field full of fucking killers. I would have traded all of that in a heartbeat. I would have genuinely gone 0-8 and been just as happy to get to see everyone who was there. I think it's easy to not understand that that's the case before you've actually made friends in the Netrunner community that you don't get to see very often and then gotten to actually see them for the first time in a while. The way I treat Netrunner events is you go for a personal best. You know, if you go because maybe you want to make the cut, sure. Or you want to to get a positive win record or whatever, right? And that's a cool goal to have. But like if you're resigned to the fact that I'm not going to put in six months to prepare for this and I'm not going to know every card in the meta and I'm not going to be the person that wants to, you know, get real hungry to take down this tournament. Yeah, I mean, you just come up with a, a reasonable expectation for what you can do in the tournament, and then it's just an excuse to hang out with your friends. As an excuse to do that, I think it's a fantastic thing to do. You know, it's a cerebral game. Very interesting. You can talk about it later. I think that I have said over and over again, the only thing more fun than playing Netrunner is talking about it. So win, 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 man. Even if you don't win. It takes a certain type of person for Netrunner to be their hobby. When you're one of those people, it's nice to see other people who are that type of person too. I think you're talking about nerds. I mean, it just clicks. For some people, for me, for for anybody that like really loves Netrunner, at some point when you're learning it, it just like clicks, and that's mm-hmm. all I can think about for weeks or months. Just like I don't know what it is about the game, but it's yeah. it's it just captures your brain in a way that I didn't want to think about anything else. I think it's more than just being a nerd, though, because you know there are plenty of nerds who like other games. There really is just something special about Netrunner that grabs me in a way that no other game really has. And I think when you meet other people who kind of have the same obsession, it does just make it easy to like very quickly become friends because you always have something to talk about that you can talk about for fucking ever. There's a vibe you're both tapped into that's just like just immediate like ground floor of any interaction you have. I want to go back a second because I was thinking about this just now. I can already hear the haters and the doubters saying like, oh, you said blame changers, easy to pilot, and all you do is think about, can I score an agenda? Yes, no, if not, draw cards. And then you talked about some fucking five-click turn with Jeeves where you click for a credit, and it's fucking complicated. Bullshit. That turn was click one. Can I score an agenda? No. Okay, I'm going to draw some cards with spin duck. Click two. Can I score an agenda? Maybe I need to draw some more cards with red level, and then we'll figure it out. And then red level, draw the cards. Can I score an agenda? Let me think about it for about five minutes. Yes. And then I scored the agenda. Same three-line basic program. Just can you? Yes, no, draw cards. That's it. Fuck me. 
I mean, you're not wrong. I don't, I don't see a lie anywhere in that sequence there. So damn right. Uh, yeah. All right. Oof. You got us. I do think that that actually sets us up for the last thing that I want to talk about during this tournament recap, which is the discourse following the tournament. <laughs> there has been some discourse about Vacheron ever since these lists were published, starting with the list write-ups themselves. How much do we want to venture into the Vacheron discourse? I mean, fuck uh, Vacheron. It's, it's yeah. a bullshit card. I'm not afraid of jail, Nisei jail. I say that being terrified of Nisei jail. It's a card that really lets you put fewer agenda points than are prescribed in your deck in a similar way that GFI does, but actually even more effectively. Um, and that fucks with the way the decks function, and it's always going to enable weird combos out of HB if it's in the card pool, because you just have longer to do your combo because of that agenda. Unless your opponent brings very specific and slightly narrow tech um, that may or may not line up with the rest of the field. Now, I disagree with you saying that it's narrow tech, though, because like Imp is not that narrow. Imp's fairly narrow if you can't reliably get accesses. Unless you're Anarch, you can't just put like singleton imps because why is it worth that's fair. three imps? It's three. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. You want symbol chips because it's you want to get the value out of it. And then you're playing a deck with imp and symbol chips, and you're just going to lose to a lot of good decks because those aren't super effective cards in a lot of matchups. You know, having the imp is not is not an auto win. You have to also access a Vacheron, and they also have to not have a Spin Doctor or a Vitruvius counter on the board. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things that have to line up to get like the mm -hmm. real three points instead of just accessing City Works out of the deck, and then you have actually stolen three real points just right there. It's fucked that runners can do that. Is this allowed? I also see a world in which things slow down a little bit, and obviously not this deck. This deck is all gas. When? <laughs> Uh, when, when have things slowed down? The meta has I'm only about, gotten faster. But I'm talking about other Predator decks to a potential like counter deck that I, I'm thinking of for this. Because like, I'm thinking that people are sleeping on like Botulist Freedom. The only reason that it's not real good is there are some decks that are perhaps counter to its game plan that are faster than it. If there were other decks that didn't beat it pretty well, I do think that it would be kind of a natural Predator to something like this. Those tools with Botulus and Freedom just alone invalidate a piece of ice and just keep getting accesses because this only runs five ice. So I just invalidate your vanilla or your gatekeeper or your drafter, and I can just keep getting accesses where I want. Or if you let me build and build and build those counters too, I can also just use Freedom to do things with Freedom. And Freedom's probably going to run Stargate, which you said is already a good counter to this deck. So I just think that if Freedom didn't have other natural predators, a botulist Freedom deck could tear this apart, regardless of having Vacheron. For sure. Like, I mean, we brought Frigolo to Worlds last year, and that yeah. deck was great because it had Crim-like disruption where you could get through singleton pieces of ice mm -hmm. with N'Golo, but it also yep. had two very important cards, one of which was SMC, the other which was Stimhack. Losing those really hard yeah. Freedom in like a, a competitive sense... You know, the other side of that, you, you talked about natural predators, you're absolutely right. Like, if it costs you nine bucks plus two clicks off Mangin Arm to get into the remote on PD, and then they're just going to void you, even if you have botulist, if you have to run the remote multiple times, if they're going to mana yep. you, 
because Max does kind of a similar thing, but it has so many interlocking pieces that I think this deck is too fast for it. Whereas I think with Freedom, you could just go Botulus, let's go. Okay, so we race now. As you're racing and getting your Botulus accesses, eventually you put down a Stargate. You go, let's race a little faster. I think that that deck could really have game against this, but you're right. It's just, it's a dog against PD, and I'm not going to take Freedom to an event anytime soon. We're getting what off we're, topic. Well, no, what what so. we're stumbling around here, the idea is, and I think this is why there are like such vehement reactions both to the deck and to the way that it's been presented is there's like a rock, paper, scissors problem where Vacheron makes scissors extraordinarily strong. Every yep. time scissors happens, because it has to only play 14 agenda points in its deck, scissors mm-hmm. is always extraordinarily sharp. You have to really play rock if you're going to beat scissors. And then paper just demolishes you. And scissors still sometimes beats you. We see this. It isn't just this card. It isn't just this deck. Mm-hmm. People react really strongly where there seems to be an incredibly strong like linear game plan that the perception is, oh, anyone could play this. And it just warps the meta in such a way that what would normally be like maybe a healthy game of rock, paper, scissors just isn't a healthy game anymore. I like linear decks. Give me more linear decks. <laughs> linear combo all the way. And here we have the other side of the Discord. I don't disagree with you, which is why when SBL came up, this is why I was thinking prior to the most recent SBL list, a better hit for these decks would have been Vacheron instead of Game Changer, though. I do think that it's fun to play a Spombo deck and have a linear plan and combo out and do all that fun stuff. But I think what made Spombo so good and so abusive is the same thing that this deck does, and banning Game Changer didn't fix it. It's it's Vacheron, like you're saying. While it's a discussion on whether or not Nisei should be banning more Nisei or more FFG cards, uh, you know, I think in this case, like keeping the Game Changer would have been fine. If people want to play Spombo, well, then they've got to play Real Agendas or spend influence for GFI so they can still play the deck. And then all of those abusive use cases that just hinge on Vashron are gone. And that's multiple, multiple decks. It's not just this one. And it's not just Spombo that won Worlds. It's it's multiple decks that just lean on Vashron. I'm sort of agnostic on Game Changer. Like, I, it might actually be, a, a, you know, it could be a correct ban. It's not a card that I have a strong opinion on either way um, because it kind of fits into that narrow game plan of like play a bunch of small agendas um, and combo out eventually. I think that you're right. I think that Vacheron is just a combo enabler agenda where it's going to give you more time to do the thing you need to do to win the game. If sports is doing it right now and then in a future set cards come out that want more time in order to do the thing they need to do to win the game, Vacheron's going to slot very neatly into that. I guess it's an open question about whether that's good for Netrunner or not, or whether that produces fun games or good games or not. I mean, I like combo decks. I like messing with the runner's math and and getting more time to do the really linear NPE thing. So I don't know. It's a tough job the SBL has. The concept that I'm going to reference here is one that I've heard in another game that we all know about that also bans cards and that also releases sets. The concept I've heard related to their ban list is the body count for a card that, for whatever reason, they just won't ban. How many other cards had to get banned because they wouldn't ban Vacheron? Because they would have been strong but not abusive. 
in that game, it's very much a strong thing where it's like, you know, you can have a super strong card that lets you draw cards efficiently. And that just enables so many control slash combo strategies where it's like, well, because you didn't ban the draw card, you had to ban the win condition and then the fallback win condition once that win condition got banned. And then the third best win condition that you have with that deck, which was still too strong because this draw engine was too strong. And I guess the question is, is Vacheron like that? I'm not sure, but it certainly seems like that type of card where it's just the glue that holds together a bunch of different types of deck that want one thing out of their agenda suite, but win the game in a different way. I think that it's going to have a ultimately a high body count if we want to keep it, because I do think that it slots neatly in so many different archetypes. And I think that you, in a world where you don't have Vashron, you can keep Game Changer as an unfair card that fucks with the runner's math because it does still make scoring agendas not good, but at least there is a number of points in the deck that is scorable that is the same for both sides. These HP decks that run Vashron, it's like they get a better GFI. It, it's better for at least four turns, but in a lot of cases, four turns is all you need in these decks, and they get it free. Also, with Game Changer, you can play, you know, the fake agenda points. You can play, um, like, Meridian or Lose Team and, like, play that kind of fun mm -hmm. minigame with the runner. Yep. The, the cost of those yep. is either, you know, you're paying influence from Lose Team because you're usually playing an HP, yep. or you're playing yep. a shitty piece of ice in Meridian, and then these are slots in your deck that, like, the runner has yeah. a choice about what they're going to do, and they're going to take the choice that's least bad for them. That card almost has a reverse body count because keeping it around keeps other cards that, would now never see play never see play it keeps them good it keeps well not good but it keeps them viable keeps them, it keeps them keeps them playable yeah playable in a in a deck with that strategy and obviously hindsight's 2020 and we we can make all the armchair judgments that we want we just talked to somebody about sbl and how difficult it is i want to be very clear publicly i was not even thinking vashram was the problem I, I'm not one of those people who was like, oh, I knew we should have banned Vashron all along. Ha ha. No, like I, I, I thought I thought Game Changer was the problem. I'll be that person. Uh, actually, uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to come clean here. I did think that before the current SBL came out, but it was through discussions with other people. I'll come clean on my end as well. I just love making memes. I just love fucking <laughs> making shitty memes with fucking MS Paint and making them like barely readable. These it's a are level of commitment to the craft, not even using the good editing software that you have access to, like GIMP, uh, paint.net things. There are other things that are better than paint that you have access to that are free. I have a snipping tool that makes all my images square. And then when I put them in another image, it fucks it up with all the corners. And that's <laughs> the level that I'm at. So just being able to make Sweet Jeff and, and uh, our fucking, I don't even know what it is. Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff. Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff meme for 2021 was the highlight of my 2021 so far. Honestly, anytime that you have a chance to make an It Keeps Happening meme is just <laughs> great. That's it such keeps a, happening. that's such a fucking classic image. And I do have to commend those of you who have not read the Blame Changer write-up. By far, it is not even a question. It is not even a debate. It is not even close. By far, the best part of that write-up is Ian's images. Thank you, Mike. Oh, yeah. The, these, these images on this this write-up are just beautiful. 
I'll send you uh, the ones that didn't make the cut. You're going to send us the ones that went uh, zero and eight. Speaking of spicy topics, I think it's time for a new segment. So now it's time for... Spicy. Considering all the characters in Android Netrunner, you're able to get a beer or a other drink, if you will, whatever you'd like, with one of them. Who do you pick? You can only pick one. The answer is, and there's really only one answer to this question, who is the scuzziest, most motherfuckiest, rudest, most unpleasant person that I can think of to answer this question? It's one Mr. Keegan Lane, the sysop. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Keegan Lane, we would get drunk and he would be like, let's go to a scuzzy strip club. And I'd be like, Keegan, that's really not, not I'm not really into it. And he, I would get forcibly dragged there by his bulk as he like sits behind a desk with his arms behind his back with his huge fucking collar. Look how big his collar is. It's massive. Wait, Keegan Lane's collar is the size of his head. This is a detail that I hadn't noticed on the card before. He's Holy a shit. He's a gross person. So yeah. He looks like he enjoys fucking people up. And that's what he does. You know, he, he yeah. needs a tag. He's, he's situational, but he's cheap and he fucks shit up. So Keegan, yeah. uh, Keegan Lynn. He strikes me as the type of person, though, that would buy you drinks, but it's only it's only like the bottom shelf stuff, too. So that's like why you would want to go with him. Yeah, okay, I'm going to get drunk for free, but it's all going to be like fucking Karkov and Aristocrat. Fuck. I would watch my drink around Keegan Lane. That's all I'm saying. So without a doubt, I'm taking my boy, Steve. Well, it's a tough choice. Or, or Leather Daddy Gabe. I'm going to be a little bit thirsty with my answer, but we're going for drinks. So, you know, got to be a little bit thirsty. You know, whoever's free, if I, if I text and say, hey, you up, and one of them answers, all right, I'm, I'm taking whoever answers first. Plus, Gabe can pay for drinks at least once if you drink at HQ. Gabe has got those ducats, you know. He's got a corp career now, you know. You've seen him in that suit, that white suit, that nice white suit. How the fuck does he keep that clean? I don't know, but I'm here for it. Sorry, this is way too thirsty. I apologize. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was going to go with a runner or I was going to go with a sysop. But the thing is, I think that a lot of them would not actually be that fun to hang out with. Think about the Anarch IDs. You've got Max. Max is a very angry person who hates her job. I don't know if that's going to be a fun outing. You know, you think of some of the other Anarchs. You've got Omar, probably the Anarch ID that I spend my second most time as. I mean, Jesus Christ, you thought reading Facebook for five minutes was bad? You're going to get even worse conspiracy theory shit just from being in the general neighborhood of Omar. Think from the same cycle, the same faction. Noel. Noel's about the closest to a chill anarch that there is, and that dude still has a high-strung corporate job. I don't think that there's really a winner in the runner camp for me, and I think the same is true for the sysops. You know, they are constantly worried about getting trashed, constantly worried about their contracts getting ended. There's just a lot of nerves happening. I think the correct answer here is the most chill person in the Netrunner universe. The person who wants to spend so much time with you, you can't even spit it into a single turn. It's the liberated Shayla. Go ahead. Spend a click. Spend five. It's always a good time. He's not going to go for a drink, though, man. Let's be real. He's going to be like, hey, man, you want to hit this joint? I mean, that's fine, too. Fucking shape of yeah. pots bunkers, man. Exactly. He's the definition of, wow, wow. 
You just went full shaper. Cut the feed. I did not go full shaper. This is not about what card do I want to play. This is about would... what character in the network in the Android Netrunner universe do you want to take for drinks and possibly some hanky panky afterwards? And you pick Liberated Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's got that Gray Fox thing going on, I guess. Look, you know that he's smoking some good shit, though. Like, it's like, look at that guy. Come on. He's I mean, holding. And he's smoking it's... such good shit that the corp will literally give up agendas to keep you from smoking it. <laughs> Omar thinks he's tapped into the truth. Liberated Chell is yeah. like, no. It's... This is the shit they don't want you to know about, man. And he's actually right. They actually <laughs> yeah. want you not to know yeah. about it. It's weed so good that, like, it lets you know what's going on in the world. Wayland has, like, leveled a city block. They've completely redeveloped an entire portion of the city, and they're like, oh, fuck, fuck, no, we didn't do any of that. No, it's fine, it's fine. Just don't don't let this person talk to you anymore. They're, they're, don't listen to them. It's, it's all over. It's fine. Do not hit that blood! I have a bonus jalapeno okay. here. The bonus jalapeno is the person you invited says, hey, I'm totally down, but I'm also supposed to hang out with insert person tonight. So they have to come too. You refuse. Who is insert person? That's a good question. I got to think about it. Who is the most unpleasant? I got an easy answer here. Quiet Van Wright, my dude. I mean, obviously, Liberated Chilla would never be hanging out with Clyde Van Wright, but like, I don't know, maybe they were friends in school or something. That dude just seems like the most obnoxious piece of shit. He can't even sound quotable for his fucking flavor text. Ease up. Quit watching so much Godfather Part 2. Oh, shit. No, I know what Clyde Van Wright is to Liberated Chilla. Clyde Van Wright is the dude he gets his weed from. Like, he's that rich boy, right, that can buy all the weed that he wants from wherever he wants in the world. And so he uh, just doesn't even worlds, care. Worlds, right? Clyde is on worlds. Mars. Yep. Yeah, worlds. Worlds. You come to pick up your bag, right, and you hand him your credits, and you're like, all right, so I got the bag. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bounce. And he's like, wait, I mean, do you want to smoke some before you go? And you're like, oh, but, um, you know, I got some shit to do. Why don't we hang out tomorrow? Yeah, we can do it then. You call up your boy. I promised. I promised Clyde that we would hang out tonight too. Uh, and I gotta. I gotta do that. And you're like, oh man, that that guy really? Like, oh, I know, man. But I like. I I promised, and like, I can't keep buying weed from him if if I don't do it like once this week. And like, it would be better if you were over here too. And and you're like, ah, oh, no, nah, miss me, man. Like, I'll hit you up later. I know we're friends, but we're not that good friends, my dude. Yeah, exactly. We ain't that good. I don't know you like that. I got an easy answer for this too, and and it's it's canon. I mean, honestly, it's it, if I say hey you up, and uh, it's if it's Steve that answers, uh, and he goes, well, I got to bring Loop too. I'm like, oh man, I I I can't I can't touch that. Can't compete. There's no good happening here. Why is there competition? You think they're not, you think that they don't like do some extracurriculars, you know, you, you think that they aren't at least a little bit open. You know, I, I want exclusive access and uh, okay, fair, I, just, fair. I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't maybe want to share. This is a hard question. This is a very good question. And originally I was thinking about my man, Theophilius Bagbiter, because that seems like somebody who's going to be hanging out with Keegan Lane, like Keegan Lane and Theophilius Bagbiter, they go way back. But I think 
if I was given a real answer, it would be this sad sack motherfucker dude on motivation. The dude in the art for motivation is such a fucking downer. Look at this guy. He's just sad. He's sitting on a bench. He's just holding a pick. Like, he's just going to bring the mood down the entire time. Who wants to get drunk with that dude? No, no, fuck no. That's no. that's exiled, my dude. Yeah, like, that's the exiled? worst, the absolute worst part of this entire answer is not even getting the name recognition. That's not exile. No way. That's exile. Yeah, that's, that's fucking exile, exile, dude. That is canonically exile. No, I think what's even worse is you're not wrong. Holy shit, Bro. that's exile. But who would ever voluntarily associate with exile? And if you go back to the Android board game, he is hung up on his ex- which is Caprice Nisei, I believe. <laughs> what? Did he bid one? Totally hung up on like this clone girl that is like not even into him. And it's like, bro. Dude, oh I knew I'm that that was Exile, but I had no idea that Caprice Nisei was like the titular motivation. That just. It might not be Caprice. It might she... be a Nisei, but total like got nice guy incel vibes about it. I mean, if it is Caprice Nisei, if it is in fact the greatest corp upgrade of all time, she could do better. She did better when she dumped him. Her floor is like loot. Is that Wolfman? Absolute floor. I agree. Yeah. And I guess uh, we know that that's the absolute floor because of like the one credit, one credit thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, honestly, we've been talking about drinks. We've been talking about alcohol. But really, a lot of the time on the Slums cast, we do not need alcohol if we're looking for a performance dehancing drug. Speak for yourself. I'm going to drink more of my beer. Same. I mean, we've all done King of Servers. Like, it always helps to make us bad at Netrunner, but we don't need it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And on that note, I think it's time for us to move to a segment about playing Netrunner badly and making bad Netrunner decisions. That segment is Deck and Bamboozled. Hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Deck and Bamboozled. Ian, you have a deck for us for Deck and Bamboozled this week. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the deck? Let's go ahead and start with the title of the deck. What is the title of this deck? Oh, fuck. I didn't name it. We could call it, we could name it now, retroactively. We could have called it the Discourse. (laughs) The Paragon Smonk Discourse. I'm going to need all of us to cast our minds back to fall of 2018. I am a new father. I don't have as much time to devote to Netrunner as I would like. And worse than that, I've just barely discovered Slack. When I first got into Netrunner, my exposure to the discourse around Netrunner was the JNet casual chat room, which is just not where you want your Netrunner opinions to be formed, your proto-Netrunner opinions. Getting some very poor quality false leads there, yeah. So I'm trying my best and there's a meta in Boston and there's a bunch of us in there and we put together like informal testing gauntlet where anybody who wanted to try to play and test decks could come in. And we were trying to figure out what to bring to Magnum Opus 2018. And we weren't really talking to people outside the meta and we weren't really bringing in the greatest of Netrunner opinions inside the meta. Shout out me back then. Wicked Shaka. Right. So we decide that Paragon Smoke is a great idea because (laughs) Paragon is desperado if you squint. And Ned Merker is bad pub if you squint and need to find a card that costs three to install before it works. And if you don't think about any other decks that might be likely in that meta, 
and you don't think about what it means to really win a Netrunner game and why you would bring certain cards over other certain cards, you start to think, fuck yeah, 40 card Paragon Smoke. This is a great fucking idea. The ceiling on this idea is infinite. It's literally game three for making a run. That's never been done before in the history of Netrunner. And so after a lot of testing and iteration, we decide, okay, we're going to bring Paragon Smoke. And a couple of people brought Paragon Smoke with E-Strike in it, which was objectively the right call given MT was a thing in 2018. And one person brought Paragon Smoke with Film Critic in it because he stupidly reasoned that Obakata is a, an agenda. So you want to be able to steal Obakata's in a 40-card deck, so you put Film Critic. That was me. And we just got fucking like waxed it was not really an effective deck at worlds 2018 let's yeah. actually talk through the deck list there is a lot to dig into here but let's actually start with the deck itself so okay. i agree it's also terrible <laughs> so <we're, laughs> what we usually do on deck and boom boozled is i just read through the list so i'm gonna go do that it. real quick and you know pay attention there's only 40 of them so this will go quick we have three diesels three dirty laundries two indexings one stim hack three sure gambles three clone chips Two Paragons, one Beth, three Daily Casts, two Film Critic, three Netmerker, one Security Testing, two Turning Wheel, one Otman, one Dagger, one Paperclip, one Refractor, one Cloak, one Quat, one Cuban, one Misdirection, and three SMC. Already loving that in 40 cards you have room for one Cuban. So I'll say this, and there's a lot of things to be said about this deck, but this deck is actually instructive in a lot of ways because this is the deck of a person who had done reasonably well at a few events, taking out a couple of GNKs. I think I won a store championship. Yeah. And I was like, I know how to play Netrunner. And so I'm evaluating cards on their ceiling with this deck, especially the Cubine, because I'm like, I can just run through ice over and over again, and I'm blanking ice. Mm -hmm. And yep. that's great. But it's not great because the Corpus counterplay. But more than that, it speaks to a deck building philosophy that I think is really important for newer players to internalize, which is that you need to identify your win con. And most importantly, breaking ice is not a win con. Yep. Making money Absolutely true. is not in itself a win con. Also like, very true. If you go into it and you're like, I'm going to play smoke and I'm just going to fucking blank people's eyes because I break it for super cheap and I'm just going to get the money back from Netmerker and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. The problem is, A, if you're playing a deck that doesn't rely on ice to score out or doesn't rely on ice to advance its win con, you're already way behind the eight ball because you're not actually engaging with the way that the corp is trying to win the game. And B, even in the best case scenario where like you are playing you against a corp that wants to score behind ice, it's not enough to just be good at breaking the ice. You need the money to do it, even if it's really effective, and you need to find your pieces. And so like, yeah, stim hack is important. Yeah, clone chip is important because you can basically SMC out and clone chip your entire rig if you stim hack. But that alone isn't going to win you that many games because really what you need to be doing is something unfair. And the closest thing that this deck gets to unfair is indexing. And 2x indexing is not enough in a 40-card deck to win enough games to do well at a tournament like Magnum Opus. Yeah, agreed. Indexing is somewhat unfair. It's somewhat fair. It is definitely a win con and it is definitely strong and you should definitely be on three. Oh yeah. Looking back at this list, you just don't play smoke. But like, if you are going to play smoke, you definitely play smoke with three indexing. Yeah. You play multiple indexing. Yep. 
Jesus, I haven't done this exercise in a while. I mean, two turning wheel in a 40-card deck is probably too many. No, I think two turning wheel is correct. It's your other win con because, like, it is. in theory, yeah. in theory, what Smoke says is you get to run a fair amount pretty easily. You get to build up these turning wheel counters while you're getting accesses. So if you get it early, you just get the turning wheel gross win con of, like, okay, now I access five earlier than you normally would because you're 40 cards. So the problem yeah. with this deck is that when you bring it into this environment, you're making money based on running because you've got sec testing, you've got Paragon, you've got Netmarker, you really want to run. But one of the biggest corpse in that environment says, fuck you, if you're going to run, I'm going to put down the most inconvenient piece of ice in a reaction to you running and there's nothing you can do about it. And that holds you back. So that just speaks to just how Huge. Yeah. bad of a meta call this was. And the Obvin was yeah. like specifically for Sandstorm, basically, because Sandstorm MT... Excalibur decks were out there. Um, That was proto-border control. (laughs) This just didn't do enough against any of the decks in that meta. I mean, it has no plan for assets. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's one misdirection, but how do you actually beat a controlling the message? Yeah. Right. Yeah, to be fair, a lot of decks of that era didn't have a plan for assets. Like, even Haley. If you look back at Haley of the 2018 era, uh, well, more so 2017 because it was less good in 2018, the most Mopus era. But the plan was essentially to let them get pretty close to game point as Haley. And at that point, you had built your board up so much that then you just kind of won. Abram and I actually had a lot of discussion about this back when he was going to game nights. We were talking about Haley versus CTM and why I was losing with Haley so much when I was trying to play Haley, just to get some insight against why it could win against CTM. And he's like, you're trying to do too much. Like, you're not... Why are you running? Like, you don't care about their board or scoring or trashing assets or anything. So what if they have 30 credits? So what if they have their bankers up? You just keep building your board, and then eventually you'll get to run everything. And then it won't matter. They can get to five points. So I think that Shaper did have a plan against assets, which was don't worry about the assets until you have an inevitable board, and then still don't worry about the assets, just score and lock the remote. But this deck doesn't even really do that. <laughs> totally. I mean, the other yeah. real problem with this deck is like there are a grand total of six, seven if you can't stim hack, unconditional economy cards. That's three yeah. uh, mm-hmm. daily casts and three sure gamble and maybe stim hack. Yep. But mm-hmm. everything else, Paragon, you need a successful run. Dirty Laundry, mm-hmm. you need a successful run. Cubon, you need to pass a fucking piece of ice. Cloak, you need to use it on programs. Yeah. Uh, Netmarker, you need to use stealth credits. Nothing. It's yep. circ- security testing, you need a successful run. Nothing in here is unconditional. And the best Netrunner decks say, fuck you, I don't care what you're doing. My cards are yep. unconditional. I can biotic out this Vitruvius. I can lateral out the assets I need Mm -hmm. to score. These are cards that you have to deal with if you can, but even if you can't, I'm still coming out ahead. Yep. It's not like you don't have slots for them either. So I was going to comment on, I don't think that Paragon Smoke is necessarily terrible in this context, but the way that you built it, I think kind of is, because noted friend of the cast and person we just talked to, Ajar, had a Paragon Smoke that he ran after Mopus that was somewhat decent, but he was like, I have all of these resources. I have the three credit Netmerker 
You know, I have Beth. He was running like Earthrise as well, but you also have Daily Cast in here. He was running Career Fair. He was like, all right. I mean, if I'm going to want additional econ and I want to put down econ resources that are going to cost me X amount of credits, I might as well make them less expensive. So like, I think like rather than security testing, you don't have the slots by cutting just that, totally. but and, and you have the influence right there by cutting that card and then cutting two extra cards like Cubon and something else. And then you can slap those career fairs in. And I think the deck immediately is a little bit faster and less conditional. That's another piece that learning how to play Netrunner and begin beginner Netrunner players was something that was a long time coming, which was like, and I don't want to use the T word. I don't want to talk about the, a word that rhymes with Bempo, but like being able to maintain your credit total by discounting the things you install, even if it's like, so at its basis level, you could be like, fuck career fair. Career fair only gains you three credits. That's the exact same thing as easy mark. That's bullshit. Why are you even playing it? But the whole point of career fair is that it allows you to maintain a reasonable credit total while you're still advancing your, your resource mm -hmm. economy, mm -hmm. whether that's class act, whether that's daily casts, Earthrise, anything that costs a bunch, but will yep. push you forward in the mid game while still not just being like, oh, the runner's on one credit. I'm going to jam right now. Fuck it. Yep. You can't contest. Yep. Um, so like that sort of interplay and that sort of understanding of like, I don't want to go low mm -hmm. to install these things yep. was lacking in young Rangi Doge deck building decisions. It's also click compressed too. So one of the things that is underrated about some of these cards like Dirty Laundry, like Career Fair, is that you're not just getting three credits with Career Fair, you're also getting the click to install. So it's an easy mark that also lets you install something. So that's really important because not only is it saving you three credits, it's actually giving you a credit because it gives you a click. So it's actually giving you four credits, which is the same thing as packing three extra sure gambles if you have the targets for it and the draw engine to support it, which Netmerker, also a lot of people don't realize you can draw with that card, is actually a fairly decent draw engine. An early version of this deck played a couple of patrons as like I, a draw engine and patron just doesn't get it done compared to security testing or really anything else, but it is fun to draw off Netmerker for sure. Rip patron. Mm -hmm. We had a discussion about this in an earlier cast where I was like, man, if patron just like cost one or daredevil, which is a shitty console, just like cost one Hell and yeah. you could pair patron and daredevil together. Hell yeah. Getting a uh, fucking quality time every time you run would be fucking awesome, but they both cost fucking a million credits. So it's like they're terrible. You could play Daredevil and pay five for your console and only draw cards when you run double-ice servers. Or you could play a one-cost console that draws you a card every single time. Yeah. 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 And I'm oh, how did they think that that card was fucking good? I don't even... I don't you... think they thought the card was good. I think they just said good consoles aren't part of the shape or color pie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Arguably, Astrolabe was one of the better consoles in the game for quite a while. until Yeah, and they never printed anything even close to that level again. Same thing with like Turntable and Anarch. Yep, I miss oh. Turntable. Me too. Yeah, rip Turntable, rip King Hack. The thing that we briefly alluded to with the name of this deck, the Discourse, I think this was something you were unaware of. There actually was quite a bit of a discourse about Paragon Smoke in 2018 yep. in the lead up to Worlds, which I think this yep. actually gets to your second point, which was 
not joining slacks until fairly late not kind of like yep. paying attention to what other people playing the game were saying about decks paragon smoke was a bit of a meme honestly the yeah. meme of it that was year. kind of yes. the meme yeah leading yeah. up to worlds 2018 which is although adds a layer of embarrassment to it because i i you know I, I wasn't reading general at the time even if i was reading general i didn't know really who to listen to and who was there yeah. Just memeing. yeah which is so, fair yeah yeah but i wish that i had tapped into it earlier a because maybe i wouldn't have played paragon smonk and b because it's just you know so much fun to yeah. really engage with the yeah. community I was a memer without knowing that I was a memer. It is hilarious. And I think that's very yeah. in character. I think that's on point. <laughs> so to be fair to you, though, 100%, it started out as a meme. And it was primarily like Josh and who the fuck else was pro- Foil uh, pushing it? Foil, Foil Flaws. Foil yeah. Really huge. But yeah. yeah. So they were pushing it hard, right? And it was a total meme. And it was piggybacking off a meme from the same year but it was piggybacking off a canny meme of guinea pig sunny world's winning yeah sunny. world's world's best sunny yeah so anyway <laughs> they were driving this hard this was their meme as opposed to kenny's meme who was just world's winning sunny divide and conquer and fucking guinea pig and Turn so yeah, yeah, yeah. to your credit arguably the best players in the game right now at that time maybe not so but definitely now the germans started playing paragon smoke and a couple of them not all of them but a couple of them were like, there's actually something to this. This deck is, is better than you think it is. It's not the worst deck. I mean, it's functional. Yeah. It can win a Netrunner game, and it did win yep. Netrunner games. It's what made it a beautiful meme, though. Yeah, exactly. It was like that, that exactly. suspension of disbelief, that just grain of doubt yep. where you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, World's Winning Sunny was absolutely, like, you, you look at it, and you're like, 100% yeah. a meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 this is not, no, this is terrible. <laughs> this doesn't do anything with the ID. It doesn't do anything to make any of this work. This is bad. I almost lost to Paragon Smoke at Magnum yeah. Opus. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it got to a point where like I was the outfit and Paragon mm-hmm. Smoke had 30 credits. And I was like, well, fuck, yep. I think I lose now. You want to talk yeah. about non-functional? And I you bet- should look at the UK Whalen deck in Fight Club. Yep. Just, 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 Feast your eyeballs yeah. on uh, that pile of cards. The process. Was that a German player who had really tuned it, too? I bet you it was. We'll it see. was, wasn't it? We'll see. No, I'm talking about pants. Your Paragon Smoke almost lost? Actually, no, that was a Seattle area player. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't know if the list was super tuned. I think it was just had Netmerker and security testing and it just like had all of the things turned to had the optimal opening hand is pretty much what the deck did in that matchup. High roll Paragon Smoke can break some ice. Let's not pretend it can't. It can invalidate a bunch of pieces of ice. Yeah, couldn't break enough ice. I ended up winning because I ran Paragon Smoke through enough ice that Paragon Smoke had zero credits. And it turns out when Paragon Smoke has zero credits, it's fairly easy to kill Paragon Smoke. Yeah. I mean, Paragon Smoke also didn't have even the highly tuned like German ones. Like, sure, they had game against Mati. Absolutely. Like, the German players were actually pretty scary on it. They knew what ice they needed to break. They knew what ice your deck was probably going to run. They knew ice, like, for sure. And they could get in to servers you didn't think they could get into. Yeah, da, 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 da. That's not the point that I was trying to make. It, it, ice is ice. Whatever, you're right. This deck can break ice. Nobody should dispute that. That's That's true. It doesn't have an asset plan. And... It also doesn't have that inevitability that we were talking about earlier with Haley, where 
sure they can get to five points, then I'll just lock everything after that. Only the seventh point matters. This, once they're at five points, you're still like, okay, I I still have to think about if I can get in that server multiple times in a turn. So, okay, maybe there's a possibility they can sneak out some stuff, and I can't contest the board, same as Haley. So, I mean, like I said, once Haley gets to that certain point of inevitability, she contests everything. Everything. Because... I mean, what are you going to push out with this remote that I care about that's going to hurt me? So I just, I'll run everything you try to advance or score, and I'll just do that. But this deck can't do that. Even the scary tune German ones couldn't do that, which is why I think it also speaks to knowing metas, which, to be fair to you, you weren't on Slack and you weren't consuming all of the content that you possibly could, and I think that really is what it takes to be a top player is you'd have to be plugged into everything people are talking about, including being on Discord, a Slack. Uh, at that time, there was a Stimhack Discord in addition to the Stimhack Slack. It still exists, but like people only use it for voice talk on games here and there. You know, JNet, testing stuff out, talking to people in person, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, it just speaks to being plugged into all of the things to know the meta in the first place and know kind of what is a little bit of a meme versus like what is the actual way that things are going to go it's a lot easier now i think because the germans have been super freaking open with what they think is the best thing i think snare bears have been too i think a lot of testing groups now are just like fuck it we want just like the best competition so let's not hide everything which i actually kind of like about this era yeah, I, Dyer, I think it was, you know, he, he made a comment. He was like, you know, it's, it's better when everybody knows what the best decks are. And yeah. I think that people are publishing the best decks. People are like putting the best decks out there and just saying like, look, this is what I'm playing. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. We're not really hiding stuff on JNet. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the year, you know, when it's when it's June or whatever and, and Worlds is far away or when it's April and Worlds is far away, sure, absolutely. Let's put it out there and we'll, let's talk about what beats what and what are the best decks. And that's really yep. what makes it fun is like figuring out who can pile in the best. Yep. I actually do appreciate that about what you guys did after this NY store champ, because in years past, part of what would happen is, and this is before Pants and I had a podcast, but we would have ran into this, and this is why we asked you about if you were going to publish the decks. There would have been people that were like, well, I don't really want to share this, and if somebody reverse engineers it, oh, well, but I'm not going to publish it, and I don't want this deck out there, so... I'm sorry, I'm not going to do your cast or anything. And I really appreciate that you guys just, sure, like you weren't blasting it everywhere. This is the deck we're going to bring before you went to NYC. But once you were done with it, it's, okay, here's the deck and here's why, what I ran. And like, here's our memes that we're going to post and everything. I agree with the sentiment, though. I do think that it is also so much easier to reverse engineer now because open deck lists Mm -hmm. in the cut. I probably remembered 85, 90% of Blame Changer just from us looking through it before I played the game. I remember looking at the list and being like, well, fuck. (laughs) Totally. And it's great to get decks out there. I think really the only reason to hide deck lists is if there's tech that you don't expect, that if the deck was widely known, that tech would get played a lot. And so like leading up to Worlds, in the immediate lead up to Worlds, sure, if you think you have an idea that's orthogonal to the meta, and you're like, we don't want people to bring tech to this. We don't want people to like know what this is, know what this idea is and tech against it mm-hmm. in the deck list. It makes total sense to do testing in-house and kind of keep it under wraps in terms of the actual idea. 
But if we're talking about Nessie in June, we're talking about anything in the beginning of the year, even Fight Club, yeah, publish all the deck lists. Like, let's have some fun. Yeah. Let's see yeah. uh, how badly we're going to stomp the UK and NWE. And uh, <laughs> More trash talk. I love it. I love it. I love it. 100%. I totally get it. Worlds is, regardless of whether uh, we're saying, hey, it's really about playing with people and then talking about it and hanging out and stuff like that. It's the pinnacle event of the year and people want to win it. And testing groups want to put a work into it and win it. I understand the secrecy around there, but I never understood. And this was a problem in years past. Doesn't seem to be right now with the current testing groups that are out there. SC season and regional season, just secrecy around. Okay, I play this at like three regionals, but nobody has the full deck list. But, but, but why? I mean, why? We're playing a children's card game for mouse pads. So sure, Worlds is about the prestige and not the mouse pad. I, I understand that. But what prestige is there at a regional? I mean, come on. Especially in a game where there's maybe 2,000 players worldwide. Like, bro. <laughs> so, anyway. So if you have a thought related, then go ahead. No, it would have been obnoxious. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, obnoxious is our middle name, though. It's Slum's Obnoxious Cast. I don't like that. I don't like the implication yeah. that Slum's Cast is two words. <laughs> Slums? What's cast. what's not? <laughs> please, please call me Slums. Mr. Cast was my father. <laughs> <laughs> Daily is like the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> whatever <laughs> fucking gonna... note that was, on that note, <laughs> okay. I think it's time Sorry. for us to move to the next segment. This is one of our tried and true segments. It's near and dear to our hearts. I think we all know how it works. This segment is ban or nab. Ian, you have some choices. Can you give us the ban or nab for this week? So it's tough. We've talked about it on this very podcast. And there's a lot of thought that goes into it. There's a lot of different variables, a lot of different groups that you have to please, a lot of different angles you can go about attacking it, you know, whether you're playing whack-a-mole or whether you're really truly dealing with NPE decks or whether you're really just attacking the problem at the source. I think the answer to Banner Nab, to sum it all up, if we're really talking just brass tacks Banner Nab, answer I have to give is red level biotic sprint and subliminal messaging. Ban. 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 Excellent. Let's move on. Moving on. The next segment is the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. I believe you have a choice for this as well. What is the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it for this week? So there are scourges on Jaina casual that any player who plays extensively on Jaina is going to run into. There's the PE decks that all it requires is patience that you just don't have in the moment because you want to turn your brain off and play Netrunner. But worse than those, and I've heard it brought up before, and I unfortunately have to echo it, is the goddamn motherfucking Sandberg decks. Please stop Uh. playing Sandberg. Please stop treating money as a win condition. Please stop thinking that ice is good. Just don't play Sandberg. Don't. Don't. This is why I don't play Janet Casual. I didn't realize people were playing Sandberg in the year of our Lord 2021. And to be fair, they killed Mascom, and Mascom was part of what made Sandberg so just unpleasant to experience. 
But even without mass comm, just pull my teeth out of my head before I have to play against the 3X preemptive, 3X spin doctor, 3X genotyping Sandberg deck. No, thank you. Hard pass. God, I'm imagining, yeah, you take those BTL decks and instead of having biotic RLC to win the game, they just plop down a Sandberg and they're like, have fun. You're like, I mean, I'll eventually get there. I've got boomerangs. Sandberg (laughs) really puts the ass in asset. Yep. There's an emoji of Sandberg on Slack where it's like the sad face in the middle of it called Sadberg. I think that really sums up my thoughts on the card Sandberg. If you ever are in a place where you have to rely on Sandberg, something has gone very wrong for you. And it may be at a deck building level, but it may also be at a personal level. There's just so many ways to get around ice without caring about strength. There's so many ways to actually win a game of Netrunner, and yet you're playing fucking Sandberg. I mean, I think in a meta of Netrunner where certain cards don't exist that allow you to just basically say, okay, I have a card that allows me cash to get refresh. You can call Cash Refresh Cash Refresh. <laughs> Sandberg was good in Cash Refresh when there literally yeah. were no ways to deal with ice other than breaking it. To quote the great well, Michael Jordan, stop it. Get some help. Well, Okay, well, I have to give a little bit of pushback here because it's been a while since we've had a card on Bad Card of the Week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it, where I've been able to basically say either, okay, well, so basically I've been forced to say, okay, this is really bad and we're going to shit on it for 15 minutes, or it's been a meme and it's been like, okay, this card is actually good, but people shouldn't play it because it's an ass card for the meta. I think Sandbar falls in between, and we haven't had that since, like, Buffer drive. I don't know if which I is agree with way you. back. I, I don't know. So, God. so so what I'm saying is okay, yes, in the current meta it's bad. It's bad. And I think that you shouldn't play it. But what I'm saying is there are certain conditions where I think Sandberg would be good ish. Uh but it's not right now because I don't really care that your vanilla has twelve strength. Because I'm not breaking it with paperclip i'm breaking it with a botulus you can and botulus doesn't uh, care what the strength is you can quote and, me on this one if sandberg is ever good i quit netrunner if sandberg is ever tier one you won't find me in the top cut middle tables or bottom tables because i will be as far as yeah. fuck away from that stables as i could possibly be Hard so pass. did you ever play against spags's jarvis deck i guess not or andy jarvis? sandberg deck no, was I mean, that tier I, one? Well, did I start? I don't with, know if it was tier one. It was. It was good. Which years was this? I started. Oh, I like, started late 2017. Yeah. Okay. I think it was like either early 2017 or late 2016. Or Sandberg had just come out. When the fuck did that come out? You know what? Just call um, it Banberg because we need to get the SBL on the case. Get this card out of network. I mean, you know what you can do if you want to res Sandberg to win the game because you have a bunch of money. You can res toll booth. <laughs> you can res. You can hydro. res a Nancy. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! If you have thirty credits, you can res a Nancy twice after they tranquilize it. Just res Fairchild Prime. Say fuck you. Oh man, I miss Fairchild God Point oh. Yeah, yeah. So Sandberg came out in twenty three seconds. The data pack, which came out in. 2016 so it was like tail end of 2016 it might have been after worlds 
I'm glad I wasn't playing. No, it was before Worlds. I might have before Worlds. I might have just stopped. I might have seen Sandberg and be like, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna go play uh, Cards Against Humanity. No, so it was, it was before Worlds because this is the first pack and it has HHN in it. So three packs of Flashpoint were out in 2016 when Worlds rolled around because notably, fucking. A.A. Ron was not available in Worlds 2016, which is why the meta was the way that it was. But Jarvis did come out a little bit after Worlds, and it was a spag deck, and it was fun to play, and it was a riff on Sleeper Hold, which is a big boy deck. I don't know. I'm just trying to I'm trying to come up with reasons that Sandberg is not a creature. <laughs> uh, no, Sandberg is no. What is good about Sandberg? You already have a built-in way to win the game if you have a shit ton of money as Corp, and it is resing ice. You don't need fucking Sandberg. Sandberg is IT department for people who are too fucking cool to even play IT department. IT department's better. Yeah, that's my point. IT department actually wins the game. Sandberg is just like, oh, no, I'd rather make another 30 credits and then res a Sandberg. Plus... IT department is a bullshit meme too. Have you seen the chart that Justin was giving out to people at the world? Don't World's fucking party? remind me. I've typed in <laughs> exclamation point ITD into Slack to be like, okay, what can you actually boost these ice to? I need to know. <laughs> How much bullshit strength does this fucking ice have? I, I love that chart. Anytime that I'm at a point where I need to reference that chart, I know that something has gone very wrong with my day. <laughs> something has gone very wrong with my life. That happened against Cat when I was playing against um it was one worlds. So I don't remember if it was 17 or 18. And I looked at them and I'm like, I should concede here because I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do, but I'm not going to. I'm just gonna keep playing. And then eventually they gave something a hundred strength. <laughs> uh, I don't well, it wasn't a hundred strength, but it was a lot. It was a lot of bullshit strength that I had no money for. And it's like, I'm gonna choose the brain damage so because that's gonna kill you. I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> you know <laughs> like i'm not even gonna end the run i'm just gonna kill you just through life all right cool yep all right well that, that was that game let's go on to the next one and you're right you're right sandberg can't even do that it, it's not a surprise how much strength the ice has because i can count your credits but if they Where surprise res the sandberg <laughs> uh fair i mean now you're defending that, that does sandberg. not actually make it better that does not actually make yeah. it better no, you like take two tags from fucking Surveyor and then you go trash the Sandberg with some bypass bullshit and then they shuffle it back in with preemptive and then you say, okay, thank you for the game and you click the concede button and then you leave and join a new game and have a yeah. good time. Are you somewhat arguing that Sandberg can be annoying to play against and you can lose so it's not fun? No, you. W it's the same problem as PE. as like you can win given enough patience and time... Uh or you can play a game that will be fun and engaging and you can push the concede button. And that's also fun in and of itself. Right. Not only is it not good enough to actually win games reliably at the level you need to do things, it's also boring and unfun. So in the games where you actually are playing against it, which you should win because Sandberg's not good, they're just grindy, slugfest, terrible games. You play on JNet Casual to have a good time and then also try to learn and, and get better. I mean, there's a lot of games on JNet Casual where, like, if you get your fucking paperclip arc lockdowned on, like, turn five, you can, like, try to figure out how you're going to win that game with limited bypass and boomerang. 
Or you can say, okay, you got me. Uh, you win. Congratulations. And then you move on to an instructive game and you learn not to discard paperclip specifically against that username when you see them in JNet Casual. I... I mean, I don't really have any more arguments for Sandberg. I'm not willing to shit on it as much as you guys are, but I'm not willing to spend a lot of time and energy and effort defending it because eh, it's not really that interesting of a card. IT department's better in every conceivable way. And also, I haven't seen this card in forever, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well... I think the last thing that we have to do is remind our listeners that although this podcast is not weekly, this recommendation is. Feel free to play Sandberg a week after this episode comes out, I guess. Or like really don't because it kind of still makes you a bad person. And on that note, we have reached the end of the episode. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and follow the Slumscast. You can find us in just about every major podcast distribution network. And you can subscribe to us in, you know, those same major podcast distribution networks. If you're interested, go ahead and leave us a review or rate us five stars, something along those lines. Special thanks this episode. Go to Ian. Thank you for being on the cast. It's been a pleasure having you. Do you have any shout outs you'd like to give while you're here? Oh, man. Thank you for having me. Shout out, Michael. Shout out, Josh. This is a fucking hey. great podcast. Um, shout thank out, Snare Bear. Shout out, everybody at the Boss Watch community. Um, shout out, Jeff, for streaming the NYC SC. That was amazing on short notice. Shout out CCZ for flying across the fucking country. Shout out everybody who went to beer and cheese and only drank beer. Fuck the cheese. And shout out, uh, shit. Shout out to the other teams in Fight Club because you really put up a, a great effort, but it just wasn't enough against Stanbears. And that is the end of the episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can go ahead and reach us on Stimslack, Twitter, Gmail, a few different places. You can look in the show notes. And if you have any concerns, then uh, you can't reach us. Okay, so this is like a white way to put in, right? Like, is sweat blood? Like, at one point, does sweat become blood? I guess, but now we're talking about blood. Never. It, yeah. Sweat never becomes blood. They're yeah, separate right. things. Just cut this whole thing. We'll go <laughs> you, you, can, you can have blood contained in your sweat, but yes. sweat is not blood. Okay. I buy that. <laughs> yeah. Or I, I guess maybe more accurately, you can have you can have blood come out of your, like, the pores that sweat also comes out of, but they are separate things right so if you have a glass of blood and you have a glass mm -hmm. of sweat and you pour them into the same vessel those two it'll be like oil and water uh no they'll, they'll probably mix but it is a mixture of sweat and blood but it's one liquid it's so what I do mean, you call it what do you call that slurry what do you call it when you pour like salt water into a glass that also has just normal water like <laughs> slightly salt water that, that's my point like it's yeah. there, there isn't a special name for it it's just a solution <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> like, you would just call that salt water because it's like more diluted salt water now. Wouldn't it just be like diluted blood? I guess I gave a bad example with salt water and, and like non-salted water. Like, if you poured salt water into a glass with milk, you wouldn't have a name for that. That would just be a mixture of salt water and milk. Okay, yeah, okay. now we're getting philosophical because like, <laughs> isn't milk 
just like all of the shit that comes out of the cow suspended in it's not water but it's like the base is is kind of water right it depends who you ask there there are actual legal definitions of what can be called milk and sold as milk right is it the definition has to be that it came out of a cow right uh i mean not goat milk oh fuck god damn it okay This has been the weekly discussion of what liquids are and are not milk. And blood. Don't forget. And blood and sweat. The well-known Churchill speech, uh, blood and sweat and milk. I'm down.